0: welcome to the access church podcast grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon so we have the end of this month we're gonna be dressing up how many guys like to dress up for halloween ah all right the ones that don't sorry you gotta do something put a pin on wear a weird i don't know just do something but it's gonna be uh gonna be fun. We're gonna dress up. We're gonna have uh, all kinds of things afterwards, food after church, uh, and then uh, we'll have pictures. So hopefully it'll be nice and cool and all that kind of good stuff. So that's gonna be the last Sunday of this month. The Saturday before that, on the 29th, we're heading down to Tijuana Christian Mission. So we're gonna be hanging out with the kids and the teenagers down there. So you can sign up. All these things are online. So you can sign up online for that. Also, we are back in connection groups this week. So we had a one-week break. So you'll get an email. So, just a heads up on that. Today, what I want to present to you is something that is throughout the scriptures uh, that will hopefully, maybe today you might not have a lot of answers, but the Holy Spirit will speak to you and give you some answers. Um, I'm going to give you kind of the thesis for today. We're going to pray and we're going to jump into things. Um, I I think that one of the main uh, factors for how our week goes is, is our thoughts. In fact, Um, the direction of your thoughts will dictate the direction of your life. The direction of every thought you have will dictate the direction in your life. Jesus, um, the battle is in the mind. And for us as Christians, Lord, we have victory because we have your mindset, but many of us are losing the battle because we don't grasp your mindset. We love you, but we want to hold on to our own ways of thinking and viewing things. And that kind of keeps us from really a, a, a joyful relationship with you and really a joyful life. And so God, I pray as a church that though other things can influence sleep and the food and the people, that we would not allow those things to sway us as much as true and good and powerful thoughts, Lord that come from you. You want to give us thoughts that give us life. And so I pray for that today. In your name, Jesus, amen. Um, we are still in Ephesians 4. Paul is talking to a church that is having a, a tough time uniting because uh, two people groups, the Greco-Romans and then the Jewish people, they've been brought up to hate the other person, literally brought up. Like, that's a good thing. Like, it's a good thing to hate that people group. And now they become Christians, and the church is supposed to be united. And you don't like their jokes. You don't like the way they smell. You don't like the way they talk. You don't like their language. You don't like how they do family. You don't like. And and God's like, yay, this is what I'm going to do with the church. So anytime you look at the church today, being like, oh, the church has never been worse, you've never read the Bible. Because Paul is saying, hey, you know, just these arguments. And hey, when you take communion, I'm assuming today, nobody is going to be getting drunk off communion, right? They struggled with that. He literally had to be like, listen, when you take communion, that's a good thing. Let's not get drunk. Oh, okay. Don't, don't drink too much, right? Like, That's the church, okay? So the church has always been dysfunctional. And that's the miracle of God is he takes dysfunctional people and makes them a functional unit. But Paul's saying, listen, this is what you're a part of. In order to be united, we talked about last week, it takes two things for us to stay united as a church. You gotta be super humble, like more humble than you think. And then you gotta be really patient because we're gonna grate on each other. We just are. And so these things, now how do we get there till we become a, a patient, loving, humble church that stays united even though we wanna be divided or it's easy, see, being divisive is easy. Our culture does it really well. It's easy to make fun of someone, to rip on someone, to judge them at their worst, Judge ourselves at our best. Uh, It's easy to write someone off. Those are easy things. But the Spirit of God is going to call us to something that's difficult but but powerful. And then Paul's going to go in, and he writes now at the end of chapter 4, listen, how do you get there? It actually starts in your mind. Where your thoughts go is where your life will go. In fact, where your thoughts go is not just dictate your life, but it'll actually very much influence other people's lives. Thoughts are powerful. Let me give you an example. Today, uh, if any of you went to universities, you know this, but even if just culturally you're aware of this, what's the dominant thought of today? There is no truth. Or have you heard the phrase, my truth? My truth, right? Not the truth, my truth. So it's my perspective is reality. Even if my perspective is not reality, I'm going to make it reality, Right? Uh, Another thing that you'll hear um, from especially people in power, this is a a, a common thought. Um, Politicians use this a lot. Change the narrative and you change reality. I'm just going to change the narrative. But is it true? doesn't matter. I'm going to change the narrative and then there's a new reality, right? And and we kind of rip on our culture, but how do we get here? Have you ever thought about that? Like how do we get there? Because that doesn't make any sense. And we're seeing the full fruit of that kind of mindset. Right? Where things just don't make, it's like, no, no, that's, you can't just do that. It actually started back with uh, early Greco-Roman thinking. Um, If any of you read, uh, took any philosophy classes, Plato's very popular, right? Plato would actually argue that there's absolute truth. Now, the Greco-Romans were truth seekers, just so you know. This is uh, early 5th century BC, right? This is 2,500 years ago. And we always think that like, we've evolved and we're smarter now than you haven't read history. Those people were brilliant. And they were seeking truth, right? And so Plato was trying to write about that, that there are these absolute truths. but there's uh, one of the philosophers that he was debating was Protagoras. And what he would say is that, no, that there is no absolute truth 2,500 years ago. And that's what led then to a lot of uh, sexual deviancy because, there, well, there is no truth. I mean, what is right or wrong? And so the Greco-Roman world, if you, if you read about the, the downfall of them, a lot of it was internal and it was character issues because, well, what is, what is right? What is wrong? You can have a child and you can enslave them and you can sexualize them. And they're doing all like, I know today some of us are like, oh, we're sexualizing kids, all that kind of stuff. Read your history. People have been doing that for a long time. They perfect, How did they get to that behavior? You got to remember this in life. Your thoughts lead to emotions, and your emotions lead to behaviors. Every single person is emotional. Even if someone's like, I don't cry, I don't, you know, you, even those people, you're like, oh, they have no emotions, they do, they just keep it within. But the way the human body is created is you have a thought which sparks an emotion, which sparks a behavior for everybody. So if you're driving, and as soon as you drive out of here, you instantly think you're about to get hit by a car, you'll notice that you have that thought, and your skin, like you'll get the chills, you get, right? You have a, an emotion like this, and it goes through your body, and you have a rep, you hit the brakes. If you have a thought, I'm not gonna get hell out of the car, then you don't have any negative emotion, and you press the gas. That happens millions of times per day. That's why many of us, if we have a thought that's kind of trapped in the past, what's called a trigger, right? If you see um, all men as evil, and let's say you grew up in a home where you were abused or you had a lot of bad friendships, and so you have this thought, Every time you see a guy then, you instantly have a thought, you have an emotion, you have your behaviors, and how do I get out of that? Many, many of us are like, how do I get out of my emotions? It's actually realigning your thinking, not working on your emotions. Your thinking dictates emotions, your emotions dictate behavior. So if any of you are stuck anywhere, that's why, uh, like when you do professional counseling, some people are like, why do I need to talk to a counselor? You know? Well, because you get stuck in your thinking, you need someone from the outside to kind of poke at it, which changes your emotions, which changes your behaviors. So you had this society that actually, the Greco-Roman world, it fell due to a lot of internal issues and it came from their philosophers. Now this continued through and in the 15th century and how it affects us today is uh, in the 15th century, this uh, man named Michael de Montaigne argued that we should be tolerant because there is no absolute truth. So he argued against that word tolerance, right? We hear that word today, we need to be tolerant didn't exist uh, or didn't start today. That was 500 years ago. And how that worked out He said we need to be tolerant. And when you read history that in France, they actually began to tolerate cannibalism because what is right or wrong? When you have that thought that leads to these extreme behaviors. And so then he had philosophers that were debating him they were debating it, but, but De Montaigne said, hey, we should be tolerant because everything is relative and they actually, said, they actually had to debate, is cannibalism right or wrong? 400 years later, this thought continued to go through into Germany. Nietzsche, Kant, Spang, Spangler led the 19th century in the 1800s relativism in Germany. Now, what's the big deal? So they're saying everything's relative. Well, do you know what happened in the early 20th century in Germany? Exterminated millions of Jews? How do you do that? You dehumanize them. How do you dehumanize them? Well, because you take away absolute truth that all people are valuable. We're going to take away that truth. And when you read history, now there's a lot of other factors, how Hitler got into power, right? There's economic factors, things like that. But these things that influence these men and the men around Hitler is you could justify making people animals because there is no truth. It's whatever I say is the truth. Where did that start? He was influenced by 18th century philosophers in Germany. And you don't see the effects of these thoughts until years later, right? How do we get here today then? Well, from there, there was Americans that were influenced by these philosophers in Germany. Edward Westermarck influenced the next generation of intellects in universities in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. And he said that there is no standard of morality which makes us more tolerant and better with critical judgment. There is no standard of morality. So what he's saying is you actually have better judgment if you don't have a standard of truth and just let everybody have their own truth. That went into the university system. The intellects are like, that sounds amazing. And that's what influences our universities. Hey, if any of us go to a university and I almost got kicked out of a class for this at San Marcos. So I know and this was back in the nineties. so I can't imagine today, but you raise your hand and you try to make an absolute true statement, you'll get kicked out. The teacher literally tried to kick me out for debating something that she said was relative, and I said, it's not. How did we get here? Thousands of years. Thoughts, right? Dictate emotions, emotions, behaviors. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. This is why the battle is in the mind. Where Christ wants the wind is in your mind, in your mindset. If you lose at the mindset level, you will lose at life. Huge. This is where the battle is. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. We'll start in verse 17. Paul says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. That word live means literally to walk. Don't walk like Gentiles. Don't mimic them in the way that they do life. So that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Well, how do they live? He said, in the futility of their thinking. In the futility of their thinking. Go ahead and circle or underline that word, or maybe on your note sheet. The word futility, because someone's like, well, what does that mean? Literally, the Greek means aimless. Aimless. You're just shooting random, hoping to hit a target, right? So you just, and, and, and so you're just shooting everywhere. It's, it, has, it has no sense of direction, no sense of purpose. Thinking goes all over. Truth is relative. It's my truth. And some are like, wait, that makes no sense. Yes, futility of thinking. You're just trying to grab onto something. And he said, don't live like that in randomness, futility, aimless thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is due to them to the hardening of their hearts. It's interesting, the hardening of their hearts, that word hardening, uh, hardening, it's where we get um, our, our word porcelain from, due to a porcelain heart. So it was very visual for them. It's like, ooh, a heart that's just porcelain. It's just bum, you just can't get through it. He said, having lost all sensitivity, in verse 19, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge to every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So the futility of their thinking, aimless thinking, leads to a hardened heart, which leads then to disobedient behavior. So if I'm struggling and there's disobedience in my life, what I have to go back to is where's the futility in my thinking? Right? I struggle. I can't be generous with money. Why? Because what do you think about money? Why do you hold on so tight that you can't be generous? What's the thought that's behind that? If I spend this, God will not provide. Or I earned this, God didn't give it to me. That's a powerful thought. Two people earn money. One says, I earned it. And one said, God gave it to me. Those two people act in a different way. What about when there's, when there's disobedience in the, in, in, in the way that you know, I, I relate to others? God says to forgive so that I can forgive you. I will not forgive that person. What's the thought that's leading to the hardened heart that leads to a disobedient behavior? If you never, Here's what I want to encourage us. If we never get to the deep thoughts in our hearts and minds, we never get to deep change. Deep change comes from deep thinking. What are those things that are the underlying issue that's causing that behavior? That's why, if any of you counsel with me, it's frustrating. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you that right now it's very frustrating it's frustrating for me too not just you so we're both frustrated why is it frustrating is because what i've got to do is get through the baloney of your behavior and get to the thought which is causing that behavior and that's very hard for some of us the bible says it's hard because um two reasons why it's hard one is because we're afraid of what we really think i think sometimes ever been afraid of what you really think about someone or a situation? we've all been there, right? In a meeting, share your feelings. And you're like, I'm not sharing my feelings about, you know, tell me about the business. I'm not going to tell you because I hate this business, right? Tell me about your job. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to keep my job. I'm not going to tell my boss what I really think. I want to know what you really think. No, you don't because I hate you, right? You know, you don't share. We're afraid of our thoughts, right? We're afraid of conflict because it's going to go bad. So I'd rather just not bring it up, even though I need to bring it up with my spouse. I need to bring up my kid. I need to bring it up Uh, At work, I need to address it. I know it, but my thought is if I address it, it's gonna go, whatever that is, it's gonna go bad, right? So what do we do? We don't. Thought, emotion, behavior. Paul says in verse 20, that, however, is not the way of life you have learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught this with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self. Put it off. The word literally is throw it away. Lay it down. Get rid of it. So we have a battle here. One of the things with being a Christian is Paul talked about this in Romans 8, right? This battle that we have internally, and just some of us are like, oh, I can't wait to grow up and be more mature and like get rid of this battle. As someone's probably older than a lot of you, Or any of you that are older than me, you know, the battle never stops. You got to keep fighting. Because Satan knows if he can win your mind, he can win your soul and he can win your life and he can take you away from Jesus. No, Satan's greatest. What does Satan call What is is one of his names? Deceiver. What does it mean to deceive, right? Change someone's thoughts. To change someone's thoughts. He says, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. That word deceitful is a strong word. That word deceitful can also be translated as delusional. Delusional. This is God's perspective. Without the mind of Jesus, we are all delusional. What does it mean to be delusional? What are other synonyms for that? What can you think? What do you think of when you think of delusional? What are some things you want to throw out there? Okay, not a bright mind. Did you say crazy? Crazy, right? What? Wait, what Pipe dream. Not really going to happen, right? In the back. Blind to the truth. Liar. And aren't we good at lying to ourselves? We're get, so what the Bible says, he goes, listen, I need to address something. Without the Holy Spirit, you naturally are a delusional person. This also hopefully gives us patience with people that don't know Jesus. Our world is delusional. Some of you that we get fired up by watching politics or we, the markets or money or just people at college or at our works and we're like, have you heard just dream? me like, what the heck are they? The Bible's giving perspective, saying change your thinking about people. They should know better. They don't. They're delusional. Jesus helps us to not be crazy, to engage with the truth, to stop living a delusional life. One of the ways we're greatly delusional is don't many of us act like that this life is the only life we have? What causes most stress in Christians They're so consumed by the things of this world. We're delusional, think, that this is what it's all about. How freed up would you be this week if your main thought is, I'm a visitor for a short time here, I'm just visiting, my home is in heaven. How much would that change your life this week? This is where the battles won. And Paul's saying, listen, you guys, you have this battle of your old self and your old self is delusional. He's crazy or she's crazy. Right? So be aware of that. I've got a crazy person living inside of me and everybody has it. Cause some of us right now, right? We know we're crazy. We're like, Oh good. Everybody's crazy. Yes. We're all crazy. All right. Some of us hide it better than others. Right? We're like, you're not going to see my crazy person. Right? Some of us are like, Hey, here he is. Right? We just chill it. Right? First, first not Connection group, hey, you know, it makes everyone feel good, but nobody wants to say they feel good. So he says, all of us have these delusional desires. So we're being corrupted. He goes, but here's what Christ wants in verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Now that word minds is the same Greek word as in verse um, 17 that says the futility of their thinking. Minds and thinking are the same Greek word. So he's saying what you think, your mind, your mindset, that's all the same thing. I need you to be made new, completely new, in the attitudes of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's a powerful thought, that God wants to make you so new that you are created to be like God this week. That's a powerful thought. How many of you this week are like, I'm created to be like Jesus, rather than some of us live thinking, I'm just a sinner piece of crud that God's just barely putting up with. How do you think that's gonna change your week? How excited are you gonna be to, to meet with Jesus and pray when you're like, he's probably disappointed? He probably doesn't have time. Like, those are powerful thoughts, rather than like, Jesus can't wait to be like, I've got so much for you. I've got so many things to do this week it changes then your interaction, right? Thought, emotion, behavior. Thought, emotion, behavior. Let's look at some verses. I, I just want to look at a few verses. Let's just kind of, I don't know which one's going to hate you. Maybe write down one that stands out to you. Let's just bathe in what the Bible has to say about the way we think our mindset. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust that God right now is going to pick a word or a sentence for some of you. And You're like, Jesus, I needed that today. That's what I needed today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14:20. We got that one, Gavin? We're good. First Corinthians 14:20. "Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children." How many of you guys have kids?. Yeah. Um, how do kids think? What's the mindset? Anything describes the mindset of your kids? Say what? Random- po,- <laughs> po right? Just all over the place, right? You know what kids are amazing at? Make-believe. Stop thinking like children. Children think Santa Claus is real. Now, there's no kids in here, right? They're all in children's ministry? Okay, I just sweated that one out. I know, but I even saw some of you guys as adults right now be like, what? Like, your parents just, like, didn't want to say anything, right? Your job as a parent, your kids are born delusional. How delusional? Like they pop out being like, you're going to do everything for me and I'm going to do nothing for you. That's a child, right? You can do it. That's delusion. That's not real life, right? You've got to learn to, part of the job as a parent is bringing your kids from a delusional mindset to reality and truth because that'll be good for them in life. Okay? And Paul says, listen, stop being, thinking like children. Stop being delusional about this life, that this is all there is. Stop being delusional about heaven, that there's not re- you're not going to really live for eternity. Stop being delusional about God and the Holy Spirit being in you, and that you don't have power in your words and in your prayers. It's delusional thinking to think my prayers don't mean anything. Why is it delusional? Because the Bible says you're wrong. Reality is when you pray, that's why the Bible even says be careful what you say, because even evil words can have consequences in the spiritual realm. Be careful of your words. Cursing someone. There's effects in the spiritual realm. Imagine if you lived with that reality rather than delusion my words just kind of float and don't mean anything. Stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, now be childlike. Don't be a professional evildoer, right? Be a child, be innocent. But in your thinking, be like adults. Deal with reality, live in reality, live in truth, and the truth will set you free, right? Being delusional does not set you free. When you see someone delusional at work, I remember that uh, uh, when I was at a job as a um, human resources job. Have you ever seen these people where they're so delusional, they thought more of themselves of what the business, like they, the business needed them? I mean, this one person so delusional. It's like, eh, always complaining. I need to be paid more. If they only knew what I did, so, and it was kind of like, uh, we don't need, like it, nobody wanted to say anything, but in our minds, like nobody needs it, you're replaceable. They quit. Our sales department actually grew and did better without that person. I wanted to call them and be like, yeah, just you know we made more money than ever. Goodbye. You know, just let them know that, right? But isn't it a sad thing a delusional person that thinks they're more valuable than they really are? Stop thinking like children. Don't be delusional, think like an adult. Romans 8:5 says this: those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires. How do we get out of delusion? One of my questions I have for you today is how much of your mindset is on the things that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are thinking about or based off earthly things? Your body, your money, what people think of you. Imagine if you changed it this week and you said, I want to set my mind, God, on the things that your mind is set on. How that would change your week? how would that change your emotions and how would that change your behaviors then? Philippians 4, 8 says it like this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, hey, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. How would it change your week if this week you thought about things that were admirable, that were good? How would it change your week if you took a night and you didn't watch Netflix and you said, I'm just going to think about my mindset on all the good things that God has done in my life? In me, through me, how would that change the way you interact with your kids? How would that change the grace you showed your spouse? And You're like, oh my God, he's been so patient. And I know some of us are like, I want to be more patient with my friends, with my spouse, with my kids. And you're trying the behavioral things. And God's like, I got to change your, it's your mindset. Don't start with the behavior, start with your thoughts. Are they true? Are they pure? Are they lovely? Are they admirable? I was uh, doing marriage counseling, and we were just having an honest conversation. The guy's, uh, this guy felt bad. He really wanted a good marriage. And uh, he just felt like he couldn't do it. And he said, how do, you, how do you do it? And I'm not saying I have a, a perfect marriage. But Christine and I are partners, no doubt, in life. I think there's a maturity, there's a stability there, no doubt, right? And I go, what will change your marriage is when I realize that Christine is not mine, but God gave her to me so that I can give, back, give her back to Jesus better than how I found her. And that changes everything. That's why I won't call her a name. That's why I won't yell at her. That's why I won't threaten her. That's why even if I disagree, I try to ask questions. Why? I have a thought of, I'm going to stand for Jesus. And he said, that's my daughter. How'd you do with her? That's different than I need to be in a marriage and I'll give as much as you give. Two different marriages. All right, we got some more. Romans 12:2, because I know you guys want more. You're like convict me more, Brian. Convict me more. Hopefully God is speaking to you, not me. Romans 12, two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Some of us struggle with God, what's your will in this situation? God, what do you wanna do with this? Uh, do we move, do we not move, this, this financial thing? What do I do with the kids, all these kind of things? And God says, the best way to do this is to make sure that you're being transformed by the renewing of your mindset. Because many of us will do marriage or parenting or will, will work a job, depending on how the world wants us to do it, rather than what God wants. I remember that um, this was years ago. I was leading a connection group, and this one guy was really struggling his walk with God, and he was really hit and miss at connection or small groups, right? And uh, finally, I said, I said, "Hey, what's what's going on? Is it commuting? Because he worked outside. He like, and he's like, no." He's like, um, you know, my job just, you know, they require a lot of me. And he worked in IT. And I said, okay, well, what if you told him no? Well, uh, I, I, no, I'm just asking. Like, you know, you know, he's like, well, you know, I can't. What if you told him no? I, I have to go to Bible study. I'll show up early the next morning. I'll show up, you know, like, I'm like, no, I'm just asking, would you get fired? Well, no, no, they wouldn't fire me. Would they be angry with you? He kind of thought of it as like, Pro- actually probably not, because they always praise me and that. But would the business shut down because you didn't work that extra hour and a half? Like, would it shut down? Like, we can't. Well, you know, no. It's interesting going after his thoughts. He cared more about what his boss thought about him than what God thought about him. That's what we got down to. Why wasn't he showing up to group consistently? He had all these excuses, and it sounded good to all, like, oh, the commute. Oh, I worked down in San Diego. And at the surface, we're like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, don't worry about it. Until someone pressing, like, wait, is that the real reason? Or is it that I live for my boss, I don't live for Jesus, and they dictate my schedule if I work week? What if you just said no? Now, I'm not saying, now some of you are like, right now, like, are you trying to, no, no, no. If he would have been like, yeah, they'll fire me, I'm like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> you know, maybe we could figure out other things or I can meet with you for breakfast. But sometimes we live at a lie because we don't go after our thoughts. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Philippians 3, 17 through 20. This is a powerful one. Paul says, Join together in following my examples, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross. Okay, he's going to define, what does it mean to be an enemy of Jesus? This is powerful. Their destiny is destruction. So they're not living for eternity, they're living for now. So this world is everything. Okay, so someone that doesn't think about eternal things is an enemy. Christ. He says, their God is their stomach. What does that mean? They have no self-discipline. Whatever I feel like doing, I'm going to do. So here's the thing. Their life is based off their feelings, not off their thinking. Many of us, if I were to ask you what your worst decision is in life, many of those decisions come down to how I felt. Right? Oh, I felt like it was. And we make those decisions, but feelings can be easily deceived if they're not understood as far as what are the thoughts that we base those emotions on. And he says, he says, So someone that is against Christ is someone that destiny is their destruction. Their God is their stomach, so they just go with whatever they feel like. And their glory is in their shame. So they actually glorify sin. They think it's something that they should post about, laugh about, um, or celebrate. He says their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we have our mind consumed by things of this world, it's going to be tough to be partners with Christ. And inadvertently, sometimes we can actually be enemies of Christ. i told this story before, though, that when I was a little kid, I think it was like five or six, we were playing soccer. And as you know, kids do, they get confused on the field, right? And one of the kids on our team, the ball just popped out and they're so excited, so much emotion, the ball was there. Because you know how kids play soccer, they're all in a group like this. The ball pops out and this one kid, the ball's right there and they're, emotion, emotion, what do they do? They just kick it in any goal they could kick it in. And the kids scored a goal for the other team on our team. Now what's interesting is the kid kicked the goal, I remember the kid was like, like, like super excited. <laughs> And all the parents were like, no, <laughs> you know? Inadvertently scored for the wrong team because driven by emotion, not by like, wait a second, which direction am I going? I think some of us inadvertently we're excited to live for Christ, but when we don't think it through, we're kicking the ball in the wrong goal and Satan's like, oh, that's just my opinion or that felt right or that's what my mom told me or that... Yeah, but did you base it off the word of God? So and again, I'm not saying you're doing it on purpose, but thinking about life. I know for me sometimes, if I'm honest, sometimes I think about my words, how I tend to live my days. I try to, before I get out of bed, first thing I do, pray. think, Lord, what do you want of me today? What can I do for you today? Just something simple. That's all I do. It takes like a minute and I get out of bed and get going. I try not to get out of bed without having those first thoughts. How I end my day is, Jesus, how did I do today? What do I need to change? Not out of guilt and shame. What, what do I need to change? Holy Spirit, speak to me. Yeah, that attitude there, that word there. And sometimes, you guys, even as a pastor, I'm like, oh, I scored for the wrong team. I let my anger go, and I thought it was, I was—I actually thought it was righteous anger, and it wasn't. It was selfish anger. I thought it was justified, and I wasn't. And so it's good for all of us to make sure that our mindset is not on earthly things but on heavenly things. And lastly, Colossians 3, 2 through 4, Paul says this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And what Paul's saying here is it's an active, intentional thing. Set your mind on things above. It doesn't naturally happen. so this week what's your mindset going to be what are your thoughts dwelling on what are you going to feed your mind if you think of of thoughts like food what are you feeding on is it healthy is it unhealthy is it earthly is it just entertainment is it just work is it just your problems or is it anything as far as the mission of christ or is it anything on the renewing of christ in your heart and mind or is it anything on serving others, reaching others? Do we do, how much do we dwell on that? Or it's like, well, I'll dwell on it when we have connection group because I'll give you an hour and a half. But after that, it's all me. We're gonna struggle then. I feel like the victory starts there in our mindset, in our thoughts. Are you taking your thoughts captive? Are you active in saying that's a lie? Because they have consequences, right? And we see that in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis. What did Satan do with Adam and Eve? What's the first thing he did? Question their thoughts about God. Is he really good? What? Then why do he say he can't? eat this fruit. Look at this fruit. This fruit's not bad. And then he said, I'll change your thought again. You could be like, he doesn't want you to, you to be like him. That's what, because then you'll know both. He doesn't want, oh, this sounds good. Right? He attacked their thoughts and look at them, the devastation that that caused in their lives, right? Thoughts are powerful, because thoughts lead to emotions, which leads to behaviors. There's a woman at our church, her name was Priscilla, and um, Priscilla's husband did the fishing trips up in, like, in Alaska, who was gone a lot, almost like a single mom. And uh, I remember asking her one time, because there's a lot of battles, she had a lot of kids, Uh, Abilene, do you remember how many kids she had? Four? It felt like 10, but she had four. Okay, I think four just feel like 10. Abilene, that's why I asked Abilene. I'm like, (laughs) Abilene, how many kids do you have? Uh, And so it's four. But it's like, I asked her, how do you do it each week? Because husband's gone, kids are running out, it's kind of stressful, all that kind of stuff. And it was cool to hear, and she didn't do it perfectly, but I remember she said that the worship songs that we did that she would either write them down or remember what we did, and she would sing those worship songs in her home and to her kids throughout the week. She used it, the service, to change her mindset, and I needed those songs, because otherwise, a beatdown was coming, right? It's like, I needed those worship songs. And when you realize, you know what? It's good to remember that I'm a delusional person. Because then it realizes how much I need Jesus. Not just an hour and a half at connection group, not just for 45 minutes, not just, uh uh. I need him every day, every hour, because otherwise I'm going to go delusional. And that's what gave her victory. What's going to give you victory this week? What today maybe does God want to say? I need to change that thought. I need to renew that thought. Maybe there's something specific. Or maybe this week for some of us, it's going to be like, you know what? I'm not feeding my mind good things. And just like food, if I eat crud, you're not going to feel good. If you're eating cotton candy every day, you're not going to feel good. It feels good in the moment, but it won't give you the energy you need, right? What are you feeding your mind? Worship, podcasts, sermons, going over the sermon from Sunday, taking the worship songs, having one worship song be your theme on Spotify. One worship song today It's gonna be my theme all week long and God just, I encourage you that the direction of your thoughts will go the direction of your life. I encourage you this week, the most important thing this week that'll influence your week is your mindset and your thoughts. So we're gonna have the worship team come up and you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna work on our thoughts and our mindset with these songs. As we sing these songs, watch how the Holy Spirit maybe challenges you that what you're singing is not actually what you're believing and, and we need to change our thoughts for God to change your week. We gotta change your thoughts for God to change your week. And so, as we take communion too, you can do that anytime during worship. And I just wanna encourage you that, that's one of the great ways to change our thoughts too, is some of us maybe come here today and we say, I don't deserve communion, or I haven't had a good week. And you gotta change your thoughts. Jesus died on the cross for you, not because you're a pretty good person because you're a delusional person that is just incredibly rebellious. And he said, I'm gonna forgive all those sins and that forgiveness, that kindness is what's gonna bring you over and over back to the table saying, Lord, change me, Lord, change me. And he will, as long as you're willing. So I encourage you to take communion, to thank God, to remember that, and for that to impact, for his forgiveness to impact you, that now you can go and forgive others the way he has forgiven you. So Jesus, we come before you today And God, I pray we'd be a church that we would not focus on our behaviors, but we'd focus on our minds and making sure that we're winning the battle there. God, we need victory in the way we view ourselves. Some of us overvalue ourselves a little bit too much. We're that delusional employee that thinks that we're the all-star on the Christian team. And God's like, no, you're not. But Lord, some of us feel like we're not worthy to play on the field and we just want to sit on the sidelines. And that's delusional too. So God, I pray that you work on a mindset of how we view ourselves. God, work on our mindset of how we view others. We don't view others as enemies, as people who should know better, but we view others as how we all are, easily delusional, broken, insecure. And God, most of all, I pray you change our, mi- change our mindset how we view you. Incredibly powerful, all-knowing, but good, engaged, loving, and you are for us God you are not against us and may that strengthen us this week we worship you now in your name Jesus amen thank you for listening to today's podcast for more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff please go to go to accesschurch.com